Welcome to Let's Parent on Purpose. This is a podcast designed to encourage and equip you as we work on building our kids that will build the kingdom of God. My name is Jay Holland, and I'll be your host as I aim to share some of the most helpful tools that I've come across in over 20 years of being involved in student ministry, foster parenting, and raising my own kids. All right. Hey, guys, as we get started today, I have a confession to make that's going to be important for the podcast. I am not a woman. I am not a woman. I have never been a woman, and I will never be a woman. So I I have to admit, it's much more intimidating this week as we talk about womanhood than it was last week when we talk about manhood. Um, Last week, if you didn't catch the podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it because I shared a really easy, simple definition of manhood that works for little boys, for teenagers, all the way up to grown men. Um, Just to quickly review that, um, the definition was basically as a phrase, you're a man, that means that God made you strong to take care of other people. Uh, You're a man, that means God made you strong to take care of other people. And if you want to play it out a little bit more, we used Robert Lewis's definition of a real man, one who rejects passivity, expects God's greater reward, accepts responsibility, and leads courageously. So um, again, if you want that, go back and listen to last week's podcast. And I have to say I'm much more confident with that material because again, I've been a man uh, and still get to be a man the rest of my life. But when it comes to females, I have a huge vested interest in caring about um, a simple definition for for women because I have two daughters, I have a wife as a youth pastor, more of the students that I get to be involved with are female than male, Um, so I really, really care about this. But women are complicated when you're a man. It's just much more complex. I remember reading a book years ago. Um, I think it was called Women Are From Mars. Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And and he gave a really good illustration in the book. I can't remember the author, but when he was talking about the way that minds work on men and women, and, and he described the mind of a man uh, visualizing a waffle where you have all of these different squares and everything in a man's mind is contained in that little waffle. So Whatever happens in one little waffle square doesn't necessarily affect or have anything to do with what happens in the next waffle square. This explains how guys can have, let's say, basketball buddies who they can really enjoy for basketball, but they might just not be able to stand in any other part of life, but they can have a decent relationship because it revolves around basketball or it could revolve around sports or it could revolve around a hobby or you can get along real well with somebody at work even though you might not want to hang out with them after work. Um, or you might have somebody that's a terrible coworker, but you enjoy them outside. You know, something like that, because men are like waffles. It, it works the same way in relationships. Uh, I, I can have a disagreement, but it doesn't affect everything. Women, the visualization he used for women, are women are much more like sp- like a bowl of spaghetti. And if you think of a bowl of spaghetti... Uh, every noodle was kind of intertwined and touched with everything else. And so if something is happening in one aspect of life, it very much affects the other aspects of life. And and I can say that that seems like a pretty accurate description across the board. Obviously, everybody's not like that. And I mean, truthfully, everything that happens in my life isn't completely compartmentalized, but much, much more so than the average female that I come across. 
neither of those are better than the other. They're both useful. They're both helpful, but they are very different. So knowing that, I, I think what we could say is that the definitions for manhood and woman are going to be different. And, and honestly, I think the definition for womanhood is just a little bit more complex. It's not as simply obvious. Uh, some of that, again, is because women are just more complex than men. The other is just because our society, I think, is just much more abusive to women. Um, you, you think about... Uh, you think about girls growing up now, and, and not just now, I mean, for as long as that I've been alive, you have this competing on one side of you can do anything that men can do, um, you can do it better, and on the other side, this uh, projection in almost every aspect of culture that you are just simply your body, you are your sexuality. I mean, we use the sexuality of women to sell cars, to sell homes, to sell cheeseburgers. I mean, it, it, it's just, especially as a dad, it's just soul-crushing to think of of all of these images that are bombarded with women. And so I, I even see um, traces of this in well-meaning and in, and in some senses accurate evangelical culture where you know, what do we try to pour into women? You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Well, I, I think that's true, and I tell my daughters that all of the time. But but I think, you know, again, beautiful is not the core of who they are. First off, let's, let's go back to um, the Bible. The Bible says that both male and female are made in the image of God. So you're made in the image of God, and, and, and they're I, I think the reason is because it takes both the male and the female side to really show that image of God because God is so so magnificent, so beautiful, so complex, so strong, so many things that just one human and even one gender can't accurately represent all that God is. And so God made them male and female um, to, to represent the image of God. And because remember, one of the things about God is that God is Trinity. God is relational at the very core. And so you have the relational aspect of male and female that, that goes into, again, presenting something else um, about the image of God. So having said all of that, I just, I say it's, I, I didn't want to settle on a definition that just centered around beauty because that, I just feel like that's going right back into what society is saying. So as we narrow down and just kind of hone in on what do we want to teach and reinforce in our ladies that seems to just echo what the Bible says, this is what we came up with. You're a woman, and this means that God made you graceful to heal others. Let me say that again. You're a woman, and this means that God made you graceful to heal others. Um, so what do we mean by graceful? And what, what's the difference between graceful and beautiful? Well, I, I think beautiful, a lot of times, we just think of it as something to be admired, something to be looked at. Um, and beauty is something to be appreciated, but beauty doesn't necessarily change things. Um, beauty is, is something, I don't know, that people want to, to get, to have, but, but beauty in itself doesn't necessarily change things. But grace changes things. Grace changes things. And so what is grace? And then another thing I love about grace is that grace is one of those words that still culture hasn't, um, culture hasn't perverted and corrupted near to the level 
that they have beauty and even strength and power and all of these things. Grace still has just this tone to it that when you describe something as graceful, um, everybody, that's something to be appreciated. That's something to be aspired to. And so what do we mean by grace? Let me just start first with a, a couple of the general world and cultural definitions. Grace is a simple elegance, um, like a refinement and movement. And, you know, you, sometimes you describe whether it's a ballerina or even a football player. They're very graceful, and uh, that means there's such control and elegance in the way that they move and in the way that they go about stuff that it, it's just inspiring. Um, grace means a disposition to or an act or an instance of kindness, courtesy, or clemency. That's such a uh, definition. You know, that's that's hard to wrap your teeth around. But it does see that even in culture, culture points to the biblical definition of grace. And, and, and when we talk about grace, when we talk about the grace of God, what do we mean? We The grace of God is the undeserved, unmerited favor that God shows us that leads us to salvation. The Bible says it's by grace that we've been saved, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And when I think through the women who have had the most profound effects um, on the world, I see women of strength, women of courage, and women of, of grace You know, oftentimes a man, if a man wants to change things, uh, he comes at it head on. He comes at it and tries to conquer it. But not everything can be conquered. Um, Some things, it's almost like they have to be subverted. And grace is one of those those, uh, qualities, one of those aspects that's subversive by very nature. Let me give you an example from the Bible of, of this quality of grace that heals others, that changes things. So in 1 Samuel chapter 25, this is when David is roaming around, fleeing from Saul, and he's, he's out with his band of men. And Davis is, David is camping in this area in the wilderness of Paran. And there's a man there that lives there, a very rich man named Nabal. And he has thousands of uh, livestock, and David and his men protect these livestock, and they uh, they keep them from being harmed, they keep them from being uh, killed, and so David goes and, and and sends representatives to ask this guy Nabal if you know during this harvest time if they can have some of the um, the products, some of the livestock, some of the bread, and Nabal answers harshly and says they won't get anything at all. They're just a band of uh, ruffians and murderers and stuff like that. And when the message gets back to David, he is so infuriated. He's telling his men to mount up their swords to go in and slaughter the whole house. So here do you have two hot-headed men who are about to just cause, because of their their pride, because of their arrogance, because of their lack of communication, uh, they're about to cause the destruction of many. But praise God, there was this woman named Abigail, who is the wife of Nabal, who's involved in Abigail hears about this and quickly steps in, has uh, her servants bring a bunch of raisin cakes and prepare a bunch of food and goes to David and in this just very graceful, humble way, actually accepts uh, responsibility for stuff that really wasn't her responsibility. Um, She says that she should have seen this and done it, and she just speaks in such a, uh, a kind and wise but also really bold way 
that it saves the household. It, it saves the warfare and the guilt of all of these people involved. Now, God eventually, through all of this, dealt with her husband, Nabal. Nabal has a heart attack when he finds out about it and, and, and dies. And then Abigail becomes one of the wives of David. But you see in here that you, you've got hot-headed men who are going to use their strength to destroy people. And here comes a woman of God who steps in and she uses her grace to heal the situation. Uh, again, this is 1 Samuel 25, and I would just recommend going and reading it. It's such a, such a good account. Um, but what a good example of using grace to heal people. And Now, grace is not a weak thing. Uh, first off, God is gracious, and there's nothing that I would describe about God as being weak. It's the grace of God that leads us to salvation. Grace is that quality of being able to look past people's faults, look past the wrongs that are done, see the best in people, and then have God use that to change their core, to heal them. Man, how many moms, through their grace, through seeing the best in their kids, have changed the rebellious heart of a kid? How many grandmas have prayed the salvation of the members of their family? How many wives have been used of God to convict and change their husbands who have these hard, stubborn, rebellious hearts? How many teachers, how many, how many people in society, women in society, has God used their grace and the strength that's involved in their grace to change things? And so this, this is what we um, like to build into our, our, our young ladies, that they are women. That means that God made them graceful to heal others. Um, God, God made them strong. God made them, there's, there's so many aspects of grace. And so as we, as we kind of tease it out, you know, like with the men that we do with what, what does the, a real man look like in the same way we do that with, with our ladies. And, and when we talk about a real woman, R E A L here are the parts that we use. A real woman rejects worldly identity rejects worldly identity. You are not going to get your value and purpose and definition from this world. A real woman expects God's greater reward, which means that I might, expects God's greater reward means I might deny the short-term pleasures, the short-term attention, the short-term affection, uh, short-term getting of something that might be good now because I know that God is going to long-term reward me for my character, for my perseverance, for my trusting in him. The A in a real, uh, a real woman acts with strength and wisdom. Um, a, real, a, a real woman is not weak. A real woman is not dependent upon a man um, to come in and save the day. A real woman acts with strength and with wisdom. And, uh, you know, how many women have such strength in their words? And you see this, this is terrible. Like, What's the definition of middle school? Using your strength to destroy people. Um, but a real woman will act with strength and wisdom. So sometimes that means holding your tongue. Sometimes that means stepping in when everybody else is afraid to. But you do it with wisdom. And then the last part of, of the real woman loves others boldly. Loves others boldly. Uh, not that everybody's a project because people can't just be projects in our lives, but, but, but the core of grace is fiercely loving people even when there might be cost, loving people even when it might get scary, even when it might hurt you. 
Now, this is why we have to talk and train our, our ladies that this is done with wisdom. This is done with expecting God's reward. I'm not loving them so that they'll just like me. I'm not, I'm not thinking that I can missionary date and transform somebody, but I can love them with grace and trust that God will heal people through the process. So again, like I said, this is much more, I think, complex, at least for me to wrap my mind around than uh, the definition of manhood. But I think it's so vital. And and when we see the combination of uh, biblical men, biblical women, and we start pushing this into our kids, um, then God's going to use this to change them. Uh, this is the definition that we use for our ladies, but it's also what we go back to our guys and say, look for these qualities in a girl. Look for these qualities in the ones that you want to, to attach to and, and be with long-term. Um, because if you don't, you're just blind. You're just short-sighted, and uh, you're, you're in for a mighty fall. All right. I, I promise you it was going to be a little bit more complicated, but... Uh, That's the way the world works. So I I hope you can take this and then really siphon it down, find what's helpful and valuable for you. Hey, if this has been helpful to you, uh, I would ask you to go onto iTunes or Google Play, subscribe to it, share it with others, uh, rate and review it. It just helps it to get the word out more. Uh, If you want notes with this, go to letsparentonpurpose.com, and I'll have essentially the same stuff in written form, uh, maybe a little simpler for you to get and understand. This has been a ministry of Covenant Fellowship Baptist Church in Stewart, Florida. If you're on the Treasure Coast, we would love for you to come join us and check out our church body, and maybe we're a good fit for you. Remember, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's going to be a lot of stumbles along the way, but what an awesome journey. This has been Jay Holland. Hope you have an awesome week, and I will talk to you soon.